the beginning of the story of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And the children were in the house during the war, and they were exploring on one wet day. And where did Lucy hide then? In the wardrobe. And what happened with the wardrobe? Was it a normal wardrobe? It went into there, into the picture of Narnia. Lucy went through the back of the wardrobe and found herself in this amazing land called Narnia. And she met Mr. Tumnus. And Mr. Tumnus took her back home and told her about the sad place that Narnia was, that it was always winter, but never Christmas. A place where there was no hope. And we thought last week about that whole topic of hope and how even when things seem hopeless, we can know Jesus in our lives and how Jesus brings us hope even in the dark places. He comes as a light to shine where it's dark. So, Lucy has discovered Narnia and she goes back and she meets up with her brother and sister back in the big house. And then she goes and plays hide-and-seek again and goes back through the, the back of the wardrobe. And her brother Edmund is quite intrigued about this. And so Edmund decides to follow as well. And he finds himself in Narnia. Luckily, he's got a big warm fur coat on because it's very snowy and very, very cold. And he meets somebody. He meets somebody called the White Witch. And we're going to watch this episode where Edmund meets the White Witch. Do you feel a little better? Perhaps something hot to drink. Should you like that? Oh. Yes, please. Your Majesty. Hmm. But it is dull, son of Adam, to drink without eating. What would you like to eat best in all the world? Turkish delight. Turkish delight? It shall be. This is a cold place for talking. Let us adjourn. Come. 
So Edmund and the White Witch go and sit in this better place where it's a little bit warmer in the tent. And he's really enjoyed his hot drink and his Turkish delight. But at last, the Turkish delight was all finished. And Edmund was looking very hard at the empty box and wishing that the Queen would ask him whether he would like some more. Son of Adam, she said, I would so much like to see your brother and your two sisters. Will you bring them to see me? I'll try, said Edmund, still looking at the empty box. Because if you did come again, bringing them with you, of course, I'd be able to give you some more Turkish delight. I can't do it now. The magic will only work once. In my own house, it would be another matter. Why can't we go to your house now, said Edmund. When he'd first got onto the sledge, he'd been afraid that she might drive away with him to some unknown place from which he would not be able to get back. But he'd forgotten about that fear now. It is a lovely place, my house, said the Queen. I am sure you would like it. There are whole rooms full of Turkish delight. And what's more, I have no children of my own. I would love a nice boy whom I could bring up as a prince and who would be king of Narnia when I am gone. While he was prince, he would wear a gold crown and eat Turkish delight all day long. And you are much the cleverest and handsomest young man I've ever met. I think I would like to make you the prince someday when you bring the others to visit me. Why not now, said Edmund. Oh, but if I took you there now, said she, I shouldn't see your brother and your sisters. I very much want to know your charming relations. There's nothing special about them, said Edmund. And anyway, I could always bring them some other time. Ah, but once you were in my house, said the Queen, you might forget all about them. You would be enjoying yourself so much that you wouldn't want the bother of going to fetch them. No, you must go back to your own country now and come to me another day with them, you understand. It is no good coming without them. So poor old Edmund, he's in a bit of a trap, isn't he? What is drawing him to do the wrong thing? The Queen, the White Witch, wants him to come back with his brother and sisters back into Narnia. And that's the wrong choice because she's not good. But he doesn't realise that because he's, the Queen is offering him some things. What do you think the Queen is offering? Anybody know? Do you know, is he? Or what was the Queen offering? Do you know? Well, what was the, the sweet? Turkish delight. Absolutely. Fred, was there anything else that the Queen was offering? Hot drinks. Hot drinks. Anything else? Is he? He could become a prince. Wow, it's all so tempting, isn't it? Things that we really would like. We make the wrong choices. Because things are out there in front of us and we think, oh, that looks really good. And sometimes that means that we make the wrong choices. We're tempted to do the wrong thing because something good seems to be on offer. And actually, we can see that it's not going to work out because the Queen isn't good. And she doesn't really want Edmund to be a prince and to have all the Turkish delight and to have all the status and everything. She just wants them because she can then still be in charge of Narnia. But he doesn't know that. And sometimes in our lives, we make the wrong choices. We do the wrong thing because something can be quite tempting. It can seem to look really good. And we make the wrong choices. Do take a seat for our reading. The reading is from John, 
chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him, because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger, in fact. They will run away from him, because they do not recognise a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is the word of the Lord. So that passage helps us a little bit understand what was going on for Edmund. Because Edmund made the wrong choice. The choice he made meant that he was going to betray his sisters and his brother. He was so tempted by the thought of Turkish delight and growing up to be a prince and living in this big, big palace that he made the wrong choice at this point in the story. You have to keep reading to see what happens next. But at this point, he's making the wrong choice. And that choice meant that he would actually be betraying his siblings because the queen wasn't who she said she was. She wasn't being completely honest as I said earlier, she, her main concern is to rule Narnia. And she ruled it in a way that wasn't good for the people of Narnia. Always winter, but never Christmas. That is not a good way to live. But it doesn't sound like that when she speaks to Edmund. And that's the problem. We get all these voices in our head that make us think that some of the choices we make are going to be good choices that we can be confused and end up doing something that leads to living a bad life because it sounds like it's going to be really, really good. And Jesus is talking about that here. He's talking about the different people that come to the sheep. The real shepherd is the one that wants the best for his sheep. This wonderful verse at the end, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. What Jesus is saying is, is, I want my sheep to know my voice and to follow me and to make the choices that are good for them my way because that's actually going to bring them life. It might look as if some of the other things are attractive to begin with, but Jesus knows that there's a particular way for us to live that's good for us because God has designed us to live in a certain way. And sometimes those choices mean that we can't be the people God has made us to be. But there's different voices. And there's a thief in this story who comes. And he might look like a shepherd. And the sheep might think he's the shepherd, but actually he wants to steal the sheep 
probably wants to sell them and make a bit of money, probably have them killed off, whatever it is. It's not for a good reason. He hasn't got the best interest of the sheep in heart. He wants to make some money for himself. But he looks like a shepherd. And what Jesus is saying is you're going to have all these temptations, all these different voices, all these different attractive things. But you've got to listen for my voice. You've got to listen and know my voice. Come and know me. Because trust me and believe me, what I want for you is the absolute best in your life. I want you to have life. Life in all its fullness. And you'll only know that if you follow me. Now, we might think if we make the wrong choices, everything is a disaster. And sometimes it can feel like that. We can make one bad choice and it can lead to another to another. And we can end up in a pit. And we think, how on earth do we get out of that? If we really believe what Jesus is saying, it's all right if we keep making the right choices, but what happens when we make the wrong choices? What's going to happen then? I want to tell you about a man called John Newton. He lived in the 1700s, a long, long time ago. He was a sailor, and he lived a pretty wild life. He enjoyed life. He was making lots of money. He was enjoying himself in all sorts of bad ways. You can use your imagination. He did everything. He was what you read about in your newspapers, leading a really bad life. And he made his money from the slave trade. He made his money by taking people from Africa and making them work in incredibly difficult situations, not looking after them, but becoming rich as a result. He'd made a lot of bad choices. And you might think he was in the pit and stuck, and he felt as if he was. And one day he was on his ship, March the 21st, 1748, and the ship got caught up in a terrible storm, and he was convinced he was going to die. It was such a bad... It went on for days and days and days, and he had to tie himself to the wheel to try and actually stay on the boat. It was incredibly dangerous. And he got to the point where he thought, well, this is it. I'm never going to survive this storm. The ship's going to be wrecked, and I'm going to die along with it. And at that point, he remembered the stories that his mother had told him. His mother knew Jesus, and his mother had talked to him when he was a young lad about Jesus. And he remembered this and he thought, but I've led the sort of life that Jesus wouldn't want to know. No way can I come to him now when I've made all these bad choices. But he was so desperate, he cried out and he said, Lord, if you're there, if you would look at me as sinner, would you come and help me? And the storm died down. And he didn't die. There was no shipwreck. But from that moment on, his life changed completely. He knew Jesus in his life and he wanted to make right choices. So he stopped working as a slave trader. In fact, he started helping people like William Wilberforce put through a law that banned slavery in this country. He switched around completely the trade that he'd made his fortune from. He then said, this is not a good trade. This is a bad thing that's happening and I want to help make sure that this stops in our country. And he read his Bible, he worshipped God. His whole life was transformed because he realised that the first half of his life he'd made all the wrong choices and ended up in the pit. But Jesus had come and rescued him. And he knew that it was only God's amazing grace, this is a, a quote from a book, that it was only God's amazing grace that could and would 
take a rude, profane, slave-trading sailor and transform him into a child of God. And that's the hope. That's the hope we were thinking about last week. That's why Narnia was hopeless. Because it was the wrong voice speaking. The right voice brings hope in the desperate places. And the right voice means that no matter what we've done, no matter what choices we've made, when we recognize Jesus' voice and come back to him, we can become children of God. And that is something to live in hope for. And it's phenomenal. And we call that in church grace. Grace is a beautiful name. I don't know if anyone's got grace within their name. But what a joy to remember within your name something that God gives freely. No matter where we are, no matter what we've done, he reaches out his arms and says, come, come back home. You've recognized my voice again and I want to just wrap you up. Not to ignore what's happened, but to acknowledge that that was part of life that now is going to change. And we go from being in the pit to becoming children of God. And when we're children of God, we live in robes that we're not worthy of. And John Newton went on to write a hymn. And you know what the hymn is. Amazing Grace that tells his story of having lived a life of making the wrong choices to hearing Jesus' voice and to changing his life around and know that he was a child of God. So we're going to stand and sing Amazing Grace.